0: Good morning, everybody. It is Friday, Friday at last, and in Melbourne, at least, it is a clear blue sky. I don't think it's going to last, but 24 degrees. And it is the 18th of November. This is the Marcus Today Morning Meeting podcast with Henry Jennings and Marcus Padley. This is general advice only. Don't confuse it with personal advice suited to your personal financial circumstances. Good morning, Henry. Good morning, Marcus.
1: How are you? All right. Not too bad. I don't think the overseas market's doing very much. No the uh, the Fed heads are doing as good a job as they can to try and beat Eeyore. Take away some of the optimism that we saw a week ago. Yep, yeah, we got Bullard doing a bit of Fed speak and he stated
0: the, or do you remember in Mastermind where, uh, was it the two Ronnies used to rip off Mastermind and say, uh, here's Ronnie, especially his subject is the bleeding obvious. Bullard's bleeding obvious statement overnight is that even though everyone seems to be making assumptions about Fed being more dovish, they still have interest rate hikes to come. I think that, accepted anyway. But he did say a very good dynamic could develop if inflation starts to fall. And Kashkari said, we're not going to stop rate hikes until inflation peaks and talked about the lag effect of rates. In other words, there's not a lot of obvious impact so far. All standard stuff. JP Morgan predicts a mild US recession next year. Russian missiles in the in, in the press and Pelosi stepping down. And the slim Republican House control uh, will probably freeze up legislation which is slightly positive for the market in our market the index is going nowhere I don't think any sector's moved more than one percent and the markets range today it's up 15 and it's a 15 point range but that Oz Minerals I see you wrote there's an easy dollar there I sort of thought oh the price is going to go straight to the bid price
1: and sit there because it looks like a bit of a done deal but you reckon there's a bit more in it well the bid price is $28.25 and it's currently trading at $27.35 so there is. An easy ish dollar in there. I guess the risk is that one, you got your money tied up for a little while because it's is talking about six months, but there's no ACCC issues, there's no FIRB issues. The only issue would be if BHP discovered something horrible when they get a look at books, but they would have done a huge amount of due diligence and a huge amount of talking already. So I don't think there's a massive risk there. No, and, and well, to tell you the truth, Henry, that's a 3.3%
0: return, which I think if we we're in a bear market, it would be more interesting than- and uh, if we're in a mild bull market, in which case people probably think about making 3% elsewhere in the
1: next six months.
0: Otherwise, not too much going on. What have you got in your section, Henry?
1: I was going to say that the biggest question is, of course, what Rio does. Uh, they announced this morning about Turquoise Hill, which is Mongolia. But also the other question is, where does all the money go? This is an $8 uh, million dollar bid from BAP. Where does all that cash go afterwards when this deal is done and everyone gets cashed up? and they now look for their copper and nickel exposure, where do you put the money? I guess one of the answers, it may be being answered this morning, is that uh, Samphire Resources is in the middle of a capital raise as well. That will soak up some of it, but $8 billion find a home in copper and nickel, maybe it will just go into BHP.
0: Yes, uh, we just added a resources ETF to the strategy portfolio. Chinese um, COVID zero policy looks like it will end one day. They're trying to stimulate their economy to me, and the market's going up, and the U.S. dollar's going down, so all the metal prices are going up. So you you want to find exposures to resources stocks. You can obviously do that through BHP and Rio and Fortescue, although they're up twenty percent, twenty percent, thirty five percent already. So it's been a, it's it's happened pretty quickly. But I was looking around for other uh, stocks and outside lithium, which I'll leave to you. One of the obvious ones was Sandfire. So I would suggest people have a look at Sandfire after the price comes back on after their capital raising, because it's probably a buying opportunity, a bit of indigestion will lower the price and maybe provide a, an opportunity if this is a bottom in the resources. Now, one of the debates, we saw Webjet this week go up 10% on results. It just appeared as a breakout, it's only a tiny breakout, as a breakout of its trading range for the past year, this week or today. Would you be buying into travel, Henry?
1: Well, Flight Centre went absolutely nowhere, and that's still struggling. Big time. I don't know. Have you ever used Webjet? I'm certainly not. Uh, My gauge for the travel sector is that I live in a relatively affluent region, a relatively affluent suburb as well. And we have a flight centre office that has been closed and they must be paying rent of at least a thousand bucks a week. It has been closed since the pandemic and they've got no plans to reopen it. So for me, flight centre is a bit of a dog. The one that was interesting on the back of Webjet, and this came on the back of what they said about Webbeds, which is their hotel bed management system, is SiteMinder. SDR being the code which had a big spike on the back of that because these guys also manage the back end of the hotel business so Sightminder certainly might be a sleeper to have a look at also bear in mind that Balador technology which is an LIC trading at a big discount has a large holding in Sightminder as well but yeah corporate travel I think is still a bit on the nose flight center is a bit on the nose for me I'm not interested in Qantas Uh Webjet's probably the way to go but it's run quite hard Sightminder could be a bit of a sleeper most of these companies have issued an
0: extraordinary amount of stock as well. And if you take that into account, I I remember writing that article, which got a heck of a lot of exposure about how companies that have had big capital raisings are actually much larger than they appear through the share price. But all that sort of stuff just drag like an anchor. I'm not sure I'd be into travel at the moment. Right. I did a strategy piece today, which basically says I've set strategy. And so I'm going to start focusing more on ideas and I've got an ideas section in today. I've run through every idea that we've got. Give you the quick rundown on that. I'm not, I I bought a resources ETF, but I'm not buying resources, individual resources stocks, unless I see there's a particular opportunity, maybe Samphire at some point. But when you've seen FMG up 35%, BHP and Rio up 20% in such a short period of time, it all just looks very frothy at the moment. So I'm just going to hold my water on buying resources for the moment. I'm selling my gold stock, which is Northern Star, NST. We've made 19% in 44 days out of a multi-billion dollar stock when the market averages 5.77% per annum. I'll take that. And if you have a look at the chart in the ideas section, you'll see gold stocks are peaking. It's been a fabulous run. It's been a precipitous drop in the US dollar, but a fabulous run in gold, which I think will run out of steam in the short term. So taking a profit at NST, if this market, if this US dollar heat is a big peak then gold will probably recover longer term but short term taking a profit zero i have set a stop loss on that that hasn't formed well uh, aristocrat leisure happy holders of that despite the recent setback they had i think it's a long-term quality stock macquarie the king of the stock market stocks might just be breaking its one year downtrend at the moment let's see if it does but happy to hold that and domino's pizza could have bottomed i've set a stop loss there good Goodman Group, still trending down uh, on the big trend, but hoping it's going to break that now. And Domain Holdings, I've set a stop loss on that. And that's been a bit disappointing. Now, I got an email this morning, Henry, from Macquarie telling me that they could offer me an investment loan at, guess what the interest rate was? Um, around 7.5%. 8.03%. Well, close. My, my My heart goes out to everybody who bought investment properties under 3% a year ago who suddenly find that they're paying almost three times as much and yet i dare say they've locked their rents in for the next year or two years in which case there is a bit of a margin squeeze in investment property and and i wonder on the back of that why things like domain holdings aren't kicking the lights out and i think this housing housing market recovery whilst interest rates may have peaked at the market level that is going to take a while for the for the housing market to really gain any sort of momentum again
1: it was uh, interesting to read on uh on Bloomberg this morning that in New Zealand, the housing market is so saturated with people that are trying to sell their houses and the house price has come off such a lot. There's one guy offering a brand new Tesla to go with your house, the brand new house and the brand new Tesla. Something I remember from the early days in London when they developed the Docklands and they had a massive spike and then a massive pullback. I remember they were offering 911s in your garage if you bought a flat in the Docklands at the time. Should have bought one.
0: Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, did you buy one? <laughs> um, I, I was sitting. I was sitting at dinner party at the weekend, and there was a big discussion about whether the whole electric vehicle mindset might change if it was suddenly worked out exactly how much energy goes into building an electric vehicle, as opposed to how much pollution is generated by driving one. In other words, the argue, argument went that the environmentalists are focusing and trying to get people to focus. On what comes out of the exhaust pipe, when really the impact is way further up the chain than that, and at some point electric vehicles might become a bit of a furphy. I know that's highly controversial. I've mentioned that before, and you're going to say, Henry, uh, that uh, obviously that the electric vehicle wave is not going to crash anytime soon. It was a university professor telling us that the science is entirely political, and he felt electric vehicles are massively over as an environmental benefit.
1: There you go. He is absolutely right of course. That's not uh, the reason why electric vehicles will continue to be in demand. It's apart from the fact he's right as well about the political benefits because after the Germans had Dieselgate, they have to try and green themselves and make them look better and electric vehicles in Europe is part of that grand scheme. Uh, Henry, I did go in a
0: Tesla the other day and everyone was saying how fabulous they are and I felt I was seasick because there doesn't yep. seem to be any, any speed Speed at which you can just cruise you're either accelerating or decelerating and <laughs> i i found it to be a soulless to be driving with a, a big you know <laughs> ipad with a
1: an iPad about. on wheels i i went in my neighbor's one and i had exactly the same experience and you know no matter how and what they have done what's been really clever of course from the electric vehicle industry is that they've changed the narrative from how far does your electric vehicle go on a charge to how far fast so yes, the naught well, to, to 60 time of now uh, 2.6 seconds is that is the focus rather than the fact that it runs out of juice in 100 kilometers
0: but I would say on that that the uh, reason people were obsessed with speed is because it with normal cars was because it required smarts to make it go fast so it was a sort of reflection of engineering whereas now it's just a reflection of electricity which I, I don't think uh, excites or interests quite honestly how fast it goes, if that's where it's coming from. Whereas if I'd achieved that speed by putting on dual chrome overhead whippersnappers with double pinpoint pivots, then it has a bit of kudos <laughs> But just going what the fast. What hell are they? <laughs> Oh, there you go, Henry. What can I tell you? <laughs> you should have seen them on my De chevaux in my day. Well, uh, right, okay. Now to now we've, <laughs> we've got an Ask the Analyst coming up today, Henry. Yeah, people we have got an Ask that. the
1: Analyst uh, today at 5.30. So that's an hour of fun. Settle back with a glass of wine and a beer. And you can ask me anything on anything. We are using a new platform and there could be some user error involved. And uh, luckily for me, Cameron has very kindly done me an idiot's guide to how to work the new platform in a PDF format. So all I've got to do is follow the instructions. So what can possibly go wrong? Absolutely. Nothing will go wrong. You're also on AusBiz
0: today and other stuff. I am. With Rudy.
1: Oh, good. Our friend Rudy. My little
0: Poirot. (laughs) Hercule. My little Uh, Belgian friend. Hercule Effect. Right, good. That's about that. I'm not sure we've taught anybody anything this morning, but there we go. The market is quiet as we leave you. We are up 15 points. Again, sector movements are few and far between. No sectors moved 8% today. Very quiet week ahead next week. We've got FOMC Minutes as the major event. And if that's the case, you can see there's nothing going on. The US has Thanksgiving, so it's pulled all their economic numbers into the first three days and Australia's got next to nothing a Philip Lowe speech and that's about it. There's a bit of a corporate diary of course quite a few AGMs but nothing too disturbing. Right that's about that thanks very much Henry. My uh, pleasure have a great weekend. And I'll be back with the Marcus Weekend email tomorrow everyone have a fabulous day and speak to you on Monday. <laughs>